Well, friends, we're going to turn now to God's Word, as found in Matthew chapter 5. It's going to be up on the screen uh, behind me. If you're uh, just joining us or you're new, we started a sermon series last week on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that he gave. So last week we looked at the Beatitudes and this, uh, this countercultural community that Jesus is, uh, is creating and Jesus is calling out. Um, and this morning we're going to look at this idea of salt and light that Jesus teaches his disciples. So let's look at just these three verses, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. It's three verses. That doesn't mean that the sermon's going to be any shorter. But here it is. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first thing that we're going to do this morning is I am going to give you a little, a little present, a little thing to take, to take home. And it's, it's still in the bag, so I don't want anyone to worry about, about getting sick. I haven't touched these. There's lots of sanitizer involved. But here, let's, pa- let's pass them around. So these are, li- these are little salt packets, of course little salt packets, because you are the salt of the earth. And the first thing that I want to say to you, and every time you see this on your dresser or on your nightstand or wherever, I, I want you to put it in a place that you see it all the time, that you're going to remember that you are already the salt of the earth, that this isn't something that we're working for, this isn't something that we're trying, or we might be someday but we are the salt of the earth. So, here. Thank you. There you go. I think, that's, I think that's enough. Oh, here, I'll go over here, too. Everybody gets one to keep. And then we'll use the rest when we can actually have lunch together. Put them, put them somewhere that you can see them. Don't put them in your kitchen, then you'll accidentally use it. But put them, put them uh, somewhere where you'll see them frequently. And remember that this is, this is who we are. Uh, I, I, I love the idea that um, this, is, this is who we are because Jesus has said it. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But also, this is a packet. This is a packet. And we might be one grain of salt, but together we are the church, and together we, we preserve and we season, and, and we'll get in, into that a little bit more. But this is, this is who we are, because Jesus, 
has made us uh, a church together, and he's called us this. Uh, Remember, he's brought the disciples to himself, and he's addressing them, and he's saying, this, this is who you are because of what I've done for you. So this morning, I want to look at this passage uh, under, under three headings. We're going to do A, B, and C. Uh, A, there's an assumption. There's an assumption. A is for assumption because Jesus assumes something about this conversation that we need to point out before we can understand what it means. B is for the bottom line. What's the bottom line? What does Jesus mean with these metaphors, with these pictures of salt and light? And then C, what does it call for? What does it call for? If we understand that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, how is that going to change how we live? What is the response that's called for? So A, an assumption. B, the bottom line. And then C, what does it call for? So first, the the assumption that Jesus is making is that people that belong to him, his disciples, people that are committed to following him, that they will live differently. That they will be different than the people around them. Then they will be different than the surrounding culture, the values of the culture. Uh, Jesus, you know, says this in verse 13, you know, that salt loses its taste by being too much like the thing around it. If salt, uh, if salt becomes like everything around it, then Jesus says it's going to be thrown out, that it'll be cast out. And even the same with the lamp. You know, he, tells, he uses a second metaphor to illustrate the same thing. When, when we were kids, most of us, we learned this song. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. It doesn't do any good to, to, put, uh, to, to hide light. Uh, you know, Jesus says you put it on a stand. Yeah, we put it high up now so we can see. We put it in our ceiling. We, put, we, we have lamps that are six feet high so that they'll shine, so that they'll light up the dark corners of our home so that they can see, so that we can read by the light and, and do what we want to do. We shine our lights. We shine our lights to our neighbors so that they can see the love that we have for them. So that we can see, they can see the good that we do. So that they can say, see the way that we serve them and so that they can give glory to our Father, our Father in heaven. This is the first time This is the first time that Jesus tells these disciples that God, the creator of the world, the one that you and your ancestors have worshipped for a thousand years, that God, that God that maybe you've pictured as being so far away and so powerful and so holy that no one can come close, that God is your father. That God is your Abba. That God is your dad. And Jesus is going to teach more about that when he teaches them to pray shortly after this. 
But I just wanted to stop on that. What an incredible idea that must have been for the disciples to hear Jesus say that they would glorify your Father. But the assumption is that salt and light are different from what is around them. They have to be different. Do you know why churches and ministries and Christian movements fail? They fail when they start to look too much like the culture around them. They lose their saltiness. They, they might take the things of the world and try to baptize them and put Christian language on them, but everybody's just living the exact same. Christian movements fail when we start to look too much like what everybody else is doing, chasing after the same things, looking for meaning in the same things as the world. We, we have a mural in the youth room here at church, and I had a mural in my youth room at the church I grew up in, in high school, and I gotta tell you that I thought it was pretty cheesy and dumb when I was 15, but I thought a lot of great things were cheesy and dumb then. And I don't remember a lot of what my youth leaders uh, taught me. Um, shout out to Gary and Becky. I do remember them, and I thank them. But I do remember this mural. It had a bunch of fish swimming in this direction. Beautiful, all types of colors, all shapes and sizes. And then it had the Christian fish, the uh, you know, isthus, the ixoye fish, swimming in the opposite direction. And it, you know, it said something like swim upstream or swim against the tide or, or whatever it is. It's a pretty simple idea, but it's profound. It's profound. We shouldn't be too comfortable living the same way as everyone else. If we do that, the salt's going to lose its saltiness. And the light's going to go out. We kind of talked about this last week, right? The kingdom identity. That is the identity that Jesus is giving his followers, that we would stay rooted in his kingdom and his way of doing things, not the way that the kingdoms of this world work. So that's the, that's the assumption that Jesus brings to this conversation, that we will live differently. And then B, the bottom line. What's the bottom line? What do, what do these metaphors mean? Why is Jesus saying that you are salt and you are light? Well, think about a world with no refrigerators, no freezers, not even a little cooler that you can take in your pickup. How are you going to keep your meat <laughs> healthy? How are you going to keep it from spoiling? Salt preserved the meat. Salt made it possible to feed your family. It kept things sterile. It kept them from spoiling. And so Jesus is saying that you, you guys, y'all, you're the salt of the earth. You're the ones that preserve the culture 
that keep a, a culture from spoiling, that keep a culture from being ruined, that protect, that hedge against a culture that is bent on destroying itself. And the first thing that we think of in regards to this, how do you preserve a culture or keep a culture from spoiling like salt does in meat? The first thing you think of is sort of moral issues and the degradation of, of society. And the fact that Christians are called to live a holy life for the right reasons. Jesus is going to talk about that. He's going to talk about living a life the way that God created us to live. And to, uh, to live with, with wholeness. And yet, that shouldn't result in us always pointing the finger at those that don't believe like us. It should more cause us to reflect on, you know, where would we be? Where would we be without people that helped to preserve us? The people that were salt in our life, that shaped us, that preserved us, that kept us from, uh, from sh shipwrecking our life. <laughs> you know, they kept us from going off, off the cliff. And I also believe, and the scripture teaches, that part of being salt in the culture that's around us, part, part of um, preventing it from spoiling, is to, to live out God's desire. You know, to live God's righteousness. The, the biblical word for this is shalom. And shalom is this picture of, uh, of peace how God intended things to be, of wholeness, fullness of well-being. And so there are times where Christians who are called to be salt are going to be working for God's righteousness. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, putting right the things that are, that are wrong. And it's, it's thinking about God's righteousness, God's plans, God's justice, and f those things prevent a culture from spoiling. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We looked at that verse last week. What does it mean? It means that Christians are, preserve a culture but Christians also flavor a culture. That's the second thing that salt does. And, you know, now that we have refrigerators, that's maybe the main thing that we think of, is that salt brings out flavor in, uh, in dishes. Whereas, you know, a hot sauce can cover up a flavor. Well, salt brings out the flavor that's in the meat or that's in the dish. And so what Jesus is communicating is for us to bring out what is good in a culture. To really ask that question, God, what are you up to? What are you up to in the world? And how can I join in what you're doing? Because there is good happening everywhere. There is common grace that is upon every single person that God has created in his image. 
And it's just that question, how can I bring out what God is already doing, the good that he's doing? I think about organizations like right here in our own, our own neighborhood, Compassion Connect, that works uh, to prevent trafficking and works with uh, at-risk teenagers to, to, uh, to raise them up. I think about faithful friends that mentors uh, at-risk youth. It seems to me that God is at, on the move in those things, that God is bringing his church together and that we could join him in some beautiful ways to flavor the culture, to bring out what is good, and to put away what is evil. And then, the light. Salt preserves, salt flavors, but the bottom line with light is that it points us to God's truth. The word light is used 272 times in the Old and New Testaments. And the huge majority of those times, it's talking about God's truth. So Jesus is saying, you know, you are the light of the world. It means to bring the truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel, and work it into your whole life to think through the implications. What does this truth mean? To bring the truth into some really dark places. How does God's truth apply to my work? Your work might feel like a dark place sometimes, but what would it look like for the light to shine there? What does it look like for my parenting? to bring the truth of God's love and his forgiveness as I share that with my, with my children? What does it mean to bring God's truth into your studies and apply God's truth in the classroom? What, what does God's truth mean for your retirement now that you're no longer working? How can you shine God's light in his world and work that through and think it through, apply it to all these areas of your life, to talk about it with your Christian friends, to talk about it with your church family, and to bring light to the darkness. It must have been so incredible to sit at the feet of Jesus during this sermon and to hear these words. I mean, these, these 12 disciples, this, this fledgling group, uh, you know, you could maybe call them a band of brothers, but they were also fighting all the time, so they weren't even that, maybe. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were always trying to get ahead, and they were arguing, and they were, you know, discussing who's the greatest and all these sorts of things. And Jesus told them, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And maybe they were thinking what, what I'm thinking <laughs> and what you're thinking. What difference can I make? What difference can I make? And Jesus' response to that 
is to say you are the salt of the earth. And to say that even one grain of salt is important to him and can make a huge difference. But remember, remember this. When you look at this, we're all together. We're a church. We're with each other. And, like the scripture in Acts says, I have many people in this city. God has his people all over the world. And that's, that's why I like being part of the Christian Reformed Church denomination, because it reminds us that God is active all over the world, and that he has people that he's called to himself, and that his love is shining through them. They are being salt in their community. I got to have an email correspondence with a couple this week that's in Berlin, Germany, serving God over there, welcoming immigrants, sharing the good news with them, seeing people come to faith. And it just reminded me that God has called people to be salt and light all over the place. And we get uh, to have a view of that. And God has put us, God has put us right here for a reason. He's called us here. He's made us a church. And for 61 years, we've been faithfully being salt and light to our community. And we'll continue to do that until Christ returns. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you guys. I'm calling you to go out and to be salt and light. That's your identity. That's who you are. Now, we just get to live it out. We just get to be that. That's the bottom line. So third, A, B, C. What does it call for? Um, it calls for us to give away our lives in gratitude, to return to God what he's given to us for all that, that Christ has done. So we, we get into the, the community. We get into the lives of people around us because salt, if salt bounces off the steak or bounces out of the pan, it doesn't do very much good. But when it gets into the dish, it preserves, it flavors, it brings out all those things. So we don't, we don't stay in our, little, in our little pockets. We don't have this attitude of, uh, you know, us four and no more. We get out into the community and we shine our light, even in the darkest places. It, it feels like it feels like even our culture right now, even the United States in 2021, can feel really dark. And people are looking for answers. People are looking for truth, the light of God's truth. And what, uh, what happened this week in Washington, D.C., it was sad. And so many people have been, um, have been angry, so many people are looking for a group to belong to, are looking for a deeper identity. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know the answer. You know where the truth comes from. His name is Jesus, and he is the light of the world. He's the source of the light. 
and he has made us the light of the world. Jesus gave these amazing teachings. He lived an incredible life. He's healing people. He's extending forgiveness to people. And then, at the end of his life, he's going to the cross. And in, you know, using this language, you could think about it as even Jesus was, the light was snuffed out. The light was snuffed out on Good Friday. When we do that service, it's a service of shadows. It's a service of, of darkness. Darkness covers the land. Because the light of Jesus was snuffed out for you and me. That's how much he loved us. That he was willing to give up his life. And the good news is that three days later, there's Easter, there's resurrection, there's life, and there's light. Life and light to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Jesus defeated death. He defeated the darkness. And he reigns in glorious light. Any other movement, any other organization, any other thing, all of this stuff, I don't care if it's from the right, from the left, I don't care if it's a social organization, a political organization, all of them are going to die out eventually. They're all going to burn themselves out. You know why? They don't have God as their source. They don't have the light of the world filling them up. They don't have Jesus making them salty again and giving them his light. But the church, you and me and everyone that Jesus is calling, we're not the source of the light. We admit that. The light is here. And the light shines through us to the world. And every time we feel our light flickering, every time we think, I don't want to be salty anymore. <laughs> I, I don't feel salty anymore. I feel like everyone else. Or I feel so different that I can't even relate to anyone else. Every time we feel like that, we can go back to Christ. And we can say, fill us up. Shine your light through us. Make us salt in this world. Help us to preserve who you are, Jesus. Help us to flavor the communities and the family that's around us. And he loves to answer that prayer. He loves to shine brightly through us. The light of the world is eternal. The light of the world is eternal. It never goes out. That's Jesus. So Jesus is saying, you know, go. Go and be different. Light up the world around you. You're already salt and light. Live into that identity. Be who you are. Be who I've called you to be. I'll close with this, uh, this example. So for, when I was four years old, I started taking piano lessons. And I didn't, I didn't like it very much at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't practice as much as I should have, probably. But I, but I took those lessons for, for 12 years. 
and I learned to love it. And, uh, and one of the greatest joys of my life, honestly, thinking about it this week, God and my family and music. Those are the joys of my life in that order. And music, sitting down at the piano and just playing something, picking up a hymnal, singing, it gives me so much joy. It makes me so happy to play music with my friends or even on my own. It relieves so much stress. It's like my therapy, but it's free. Um, I just love being able to pick up a guitar or sit down at the piano and play. And I really, really, really want my kids to speak that language, to be able to sit down at a piano and play or pick up a guitar. But my son's six now. He's like two years behind. He does not want to play the piano or learn the piano. He wants to learn the drums, which, you know, come on, Bob. That's, maybe Bob can teach him, but that's a, you know, that's a different conversation. But I want him to, to know music and to be able to, uh, to make that a part of his life because it's given me so much joy. And I wonder... I wonder if that's how Jesus feels about us on a much, much bigger scale. That Jesus is singing this song. That Jesus is giving us this drumbeat of the kingdom. He's giving us this music, and he wants us to live into it. He wants us to sing a, a different song the song of, of the kingdom, not the songs of, of this world. But he wants, to, to, he wants us to hear this music and dance to this different kind of beat. He wants us to be salt in a decaying world. He wants us to be light in a dark world. And that's the music that he's playing for us. Jesus said, let him and her who have ears, let them hear. Hear this music. Live into your identity. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you would call us salt and light. And yet we know that it's all because of you, Jesus, and who you are and what you've done, and you going to the cross for us, you allowing yourself to be snuffed out so that we could have life. May the knowledge of that change our hearts. May it deepen our identity in you and let nothing stand between our relationship with you. God, show us what it means to be salt and light as we take home this little five-cent souvenir and we look at it and we think about, how are you calling me to be light, salt and light, Lord? How can I be different? How can I flavor the community around me? How can I live into this identity that Christ has already given me? 
Holy Spirit, move in us. Help us to wrestle with these questions. Help us to live out who we really are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.